following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. My concern, and I think the Lord's concern, that is entirely possible that Jesus is just an add-on to our lives. That is to say that we are pretty much the same as we were before we met Jesus. And now we just go to church and call ourselves Christians. There is a, uh, an expression used for this sort of idea called... Um, well, I didn't write it down. Shoot. Functional atheism or practical atheism. Atheism is is not uh, rejecting God necessarily or belief that God exists. It's just, eh, I don't know who it is or what it is all about. So, I don't know. And a lot of times, I can't only speak for myself, we act as if, okay, God is real and exists, I guess, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm going to act how I want to act. And um, my operating system is the same as it was before. Mm. And this is a problem. Because that's the rejection of God's word. Because uh, God is not a cosmic clock winder. Right? He build a clock, all nice, winds it up, and sets it on the shelf, and then sit back and let it run and not be involved. That's not the way God works. He is intimately involved. And our actions and attitudes and thoughts and words affect Him. Last week, um, we talked about rejecting the world's definition of what is considered normal and acceptable behavior when it comes to sex and sexual relationships or identity and that list, just like today's list, all starts with a heart. You can have uh, your behavior line up exactly, proper and good and right. But if your heart is not right, it doesn't matter. Um, that's not how it works. We can't make ourselves good enough. Our hearts need to be completely changed. Um, so we were commanded in verse 5 to put to death what is earthly in us. We are to put to death the earthly definitions of acceptable heart attitudes and behavior. And not just in the area of sexual relations like we talked about last week, but also, as we see in our second list, in the area of just normal social relations between people. Look at verse 7. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another. We stop right there for now in the middle of a sentence. I know, I'm sorry. but Both of these lists concern themselves, first of all, with the inner attitudes of the heart. 
not just outward behavior. They start with the heart and then move outwards towards words and work. But I want to look at these things so we have a clear understanding. Isn't it easy just to skip over the tops when you're driving? If you go fast enough, you don't really feel the washboard. Well, we're going to go down in all those dips and valleys and take our time and look at each one of these things. The first of these things... In the heart attitudes that results in actions is anger. Nobody has a problem with that, so we'll just keep moving on. The second, I'm just kidding. How about it to make angry? Mm. No, that was dumb. Don't say that. All right. Now, so think about anger for a minute. Um, before uh, we jump to the defense of anger as acceptable and sometimes being righteous indignation, right, which is getting mad at sin and sinful behaviors, right? After all, Jesus got angry, right, and flipped over all the tables of the money changers, right? There's that, and there's that. This is more than just getting mad at somebody or something. This is not indignation against injustice, This is uh, not a holy and righteous kind of anger. And it is not simply just getting upset with someone or something. Like score of a sporting event, which you won't mention. This anger is a chronic attitude of smoldering hatred. Now, doesn't that paint a nice picture? We talk about it that way, maybe we all feel off the hook. I don't feel smoldering hatred. This hard attitude might seem more familiar when you think about how it only sees the wrong in the attitudes and actions of others, seeing only the worst, and is ready to jump all over it. Um, have Have you ever met anyone that you would categorize as an angry person? Like, you just, you don't want to get too close to that balloon because it might pop and it might get all over you, right? Um, It causes people to be afraid, right? Because they assume that if they bring anything up, it's just going to blow up in their face and not go very well. This, Why was this on the list? For Paul said, put to death what is earthly in you, smoldering hatred Balloon ready to pop. Is that how Christians should be? Is this reflecting our Lord? I don't think so. So we are told, put to death. If this is you, put this to, to death. Don't be like this anymore. Simple, right? Piece of cake. We need a spare's help. And this uh, brings us to our next item on on our list, which is wrath. Um, We talked about wrath a little bit last week. And I think about wrath, when I think about it, it's the the golden bowls of wrath ready to spill out onto the earth. Um, But that's maybe close, but a smaller scale. If anger in this context is like a smoldering hatred ready to blow, wrath is the blow. Wrath is the an acute outburst 
of that smoldering hatred. It's rage, or otherwise known as a temper tantrum. It's yelling, screaming, and all that sort of stuff. Just like our hearts are like a bucket filled with water. And when our hearts get bumped, what's in the bucket comes out. If what's in the bucket is anger, what gets spilled out is wrath. It gets spilled out on whoever is close to it. Something doesn't go right. Somebody says the wrong thing. All of that stuff, that nasty stuff, comes out. And we don't always care about who it spills out onto either. This is bad news. And again, it's not, not, not to characterize the Christian. These attitudes must be put to death. And the third item on our list is much more insidious, I think. It's more insidious than the first two. And that's malice. Uh, unlike anger and wrath, which seem kind of like short-term outburst kind of thing, uh, malice is much deeper. It's a much deeper desire to see harm befall its enemies, right? Uh, this is like a silent rage that enjoys the suffering of others. Like, I didn't like them. I'm glad this thing happened to them, right? Or something like that. Malice motivates vengeance and invents evil deeds designed to punish. Malice is what is behind revenge, right? You don't want justice. You want revenge when something, somebody does something to you. Hmm. This, uh, this kind of sounds like you have to be a psycho to feel this way, right? You have to be some kind of mentally unbalanced person. But I want you to think about this idea the next time you get cut off in traffic and you hope that jerk gets pulled over or goes into a ditch. That's malice at work. And we sometimes skip over that. <laughs> it was just that one time. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was just in the Bible this one time too. Put it to death. Hmm. The fourth on our list is slander. Now, this is a very popular. Slander is very popular. Dave were here to be jumping up and down. They love to talk about this. Slander is verbally attacking someone else's character. To speak against someone in such a way as to damage their reputation. This is malicious gossip. Are using words to cut other people down, even when they're not there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let's be honest. Uh, there is a constant temptation, I think, to voice our opinion of people in such a way as to influence the opinions of others. What did you say that's true? We want people to agree with us in our opinion and join with us in our opposition. This is not Christ-like behavior. 
In our culture, it's perfectly acceptable to paint those who disagree with us as ignorant or stupid or just plain evil. I'm not saying that out loud. Right? There's all kind of protests just yesterday about if you disagree with us, you're bad, you're evil, you're stupid. It's not right. It's not the way of love. How could someone who says that they are this possibly support that or that person? How could they vote for this person or that person? You say you love Jesus, but you voted for them? You're wrong. You're evil. You're a hypocrite. Attempting to shame people into compliance with their ideas is what's trying to happen. This is the verbal outpouring of the heart attitude of malice. One way it happens. Now, often among Christians, not in the political realm, but among Christians, this kind of malicious gossip masquerades as spiritual concern. Well, I wouldn't say anything, but I know you want to pray for them. Really? Come on. I would never tell you what I know about him or her and their laundry list of character flaws, but I know you'll want to pray for them. Come on. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and now obscene talk. Aren't we having fun? See, this is a good time. Good thing none of us struggle with any of these things. We're just going through the motions this morning. Obscene talk. This is a pretty broad brushstroke, right? It is filthy communication, crude humor, obscene language, shameful speak, Cursing and swearing. I'll say it again, what Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Bible tells us that our speech should be seasoned with salt, not be salty. There's a difference. Yeah, I've tried. I don't know what else I can do. Obscene talk doesn't build anybody up. doesn't build you up. It doesn't build the people you speak to you up. It doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you mature. It's corrupting talk that doesn't build anyone up, only tears them down or tears you down. Aren't we having a good time? Because we're not finished. The last item on our list are lying. Verse 9 says, do not lie to one another. Warren Wiersbe defined lying in this way. A lie is any misrepresentation of the truth, even if the words are accurate. The tone of voice, the look on the face, or a gesture of the hand can alter the meaning of a sentence. So can the motive of the heart. If my watch is wrong and I give a friend the wrong time, that is not a lie. Lying involves the intent to deceive for the purpose of personal gain. Now, in our vernacular nowadays, when you tell somebody and you're wrong about something, oh, I lied, I'm sorry, it's really, you know, I told you it's 8.30, I'm sorry, I lied, it's 9. Well, no, no, maybe you misspoke or you are wrong. But it's easier to say that I lied than I was wrong. That's kind of dumb. Right? 
That's not a lie. A lying involves intent to deceive for the, for the purpose of personal gain. But what does it really do? Lying destroys trust. You've heard of the boy who cried wolf? Right? This uh, boy cried wolf, he yelled for help. A wolf attacking my sheep and all the people believe him and they come and they, they come to chase off the wolf and there's no wolf. Ha, 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 the boy says. That was a good one. And all people leave. And then he does it again. And the people come, chase off the wolf with torch and pitchfork. And then no wolf. And they all leave. And the boy laughs. And then he cries wolf again. When a wolf really comes. And the people don't come. Because they don't trust him. Aesop is really clever. Really telling his fables. They're all biblically based. Most of them. There's also a lot of like axe chopping and like ripping people apart too, but the children's version is a lot easier to deal with. Pictures aren't quite so graphic. Hmm. When we lie, people don't trust us anymore. Is that to characterize a Christian? Not to be trustworthy? Can't believe what they're saying. Anything they say, you have to take it with the grain of salt. This is not how a Christian is supposed to be. Jesus called Satan the father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his native language. And he also called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. When a Christian lies, he's cooperating with Satan, speaking Satan's language, the devil, in case you can't understand what I'm saying. It's bad. When we tell the truth in love, we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Falsehood speaking lies to protect ourselves or our reputation or get something done or get people to believe a certain thing for whatever reason is wrong. And it is not to characterize a Christian. So knock it off. Heath, knock it off. We all have to stop, put these things to death. John Peter Lang said, With every sin, look at its concealed beginning in the heart and its public issue in the judgment of God who regards the heart. Be not content with strength enough to prevent the sin of the heart from breaking out unto word and work. In other words, don't be content with controlling your outward behavior only. Don't be content with just, oh, I didn't curse it all this week. Or I didn't lie to anyone in the last 20 minutes. I'm doing good. Pray for strength for God to change your heart. Because that's where the problems start. Once it gets out to your mouth, once it gets out to your hands and your feet, it's a lung Long gone, it's too late. We need to pray for strength to renew our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to work on us from the inside, and that will change the way we act outside. Put to death what is earthly in you and in your heart. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we put off the old self with its practices. We throw it off like a dirty shirt. That's what the word literally means. Throw it away like dirty laundry. And we put on a new self, a clean, fresh shirt, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul tells us in Romans 12, we are not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are being renewed in knowledge. He still talk about the same thing here. We're renewed in our minds, not just by facts and trivia. Can you name the, how many angels can stand on the head of a pin? Who cares? But we are being renewed in the knowledge, the personal knowledge, an intimate knowledge of Christ, because we can know him, not just know about him. We are not playing trivial pursuit here. This is not a game that you win. We can know him. We can know how he wants us to live. We can know about the clean and fresh, not the filthy and nasty. I want to end our time here with just a few unifying thoughts. Verse 11 says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. These are some of my favorite verses. And now they're favorite for more reasons than they were before. In the study this week, I found some very interesting things about this. Heinrich Meyer said, Christ is the determining principle of the new life and activity. In all his believers, he forms the higher unity in which all those old divisions and antitheses become without significance as if they no longer exist. I recognize where we live is... uh, kind of unique in that it's relatively homogenous. Our culture is not terribly diverse here in RCB Valley. Um, but that notwithstanding, our nationality or our religious heritage or our social or economic standing do not determine our standing in God's kingdom. Right? We make hierarchies in our minds that uh, the rich and powerful are top and we're, you know, sliding down the ladder into the filth. Right? But that's not the way it is in God's kingdom. Jesus said just the opposite. How hard is it? How difficult is it for rich men to enter the kingdom of God? It's like the camel go through an eye of the needle. So those, these, these things that might separate people in culture, in their thinking, do not determine the standing in God's kingdom. And on the other side of that coin, this is interesting, I think about this before, our nationality, our religious heritage, or our social, our economic standings and backgrounds are not excuses for our heart attitudes or behavior either. We can't blame our 
fiery temper or our insatiable passion on our heritage. I can't help it. I'm Irish. Thankfully, I'm not. So I don't have those problems, right? Right? That's... We can't, we can say, I have to, you know, it's just the way we are. No, no, it's not. Christ is all and in all. Not, not pick a nationality. It doesn't matter. You can't use it as an excuse anymore. I didn't want to go any further than Irish, but anyway, pick one. Christ is all and in all from stem to stern. And through faith in him, we have a whole new self to put on. It's not defined by our sin, and it's not defined by our past. It's not defined by our culture or our heritage. It's defined by Christ and his grace. And that's it. Now, I don't like to mix metaphors, but I will ask you, how do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? That's a question you can answer. It bears apples. Okay. Interesting. It bears apples. What about in January? It's not bearing apples. Fruit is only occasional. Its bark, its leaves, its branches, its roots, its shape, its grain, its smell, everything about it screams that it's an apple tree. Everything about an apple tree says it's an apple tree. You just have to look for it. You have to know what you're looking for. May the same be true of us when it comes to belonging to Christ. How do you know a Christian is a Christian? They go to church. Occasionally. (laughs) Right? It's the same. It's true for us. Everything about us should scream that we belong to Christ. Not... Scream that we belong to the world or belong to a certain race or certain ethnicity or certain heritage or certain cultural background. No, everything about us should scream we belong to Christ now. We have put off the old self with its desires, put it to death and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Amen. That's where it starts. When we start to think, everything about me should say I belong to Christ. That's where the renewal begins. Amen? Let's think that way. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your great grace. That through faith in you, our sins can be forgiven, washed away. And it doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't matter what kind of job we hold or what kind of money we have in the bank or what's the color of our skin or what our past was like. Through faith in you, you become all to us. And every piece of our lives gets to be renewed. Lord, I pray for all of us for the strength to give you permission to change us and not hold anything back but allow your spirit to work in every nook and cranny of our lives so that everything about us not just our occasional attendance at church services 
but our thoughts and our attitudes, our actions, our words, the places we go, the people we talk to, and what we talk about would scream that we belong to Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. May our lives reflect it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.